Hare Krishna. So, as it has already been described, it has already been announced that this time the topic for the seminar is teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Actually, for the last few years, every year I select a specific topic for the seminar. And throughout the year, at different places, I give a seminar on that topic. And those uh, seminars actually begin here in Ujjain. Other years we used to hold the seminars in December during the Christmas New Year holidays, 25th to 31st December. But this year we are having it at this time. The idea was since so many devotees will come from different parts of the world here, for this occasion, then most probably it will not be possible for most of them to come again in December. Therefore, this year we decided that at this time, on this occasion of Srila Prabhupada Memorial Festival, we will have this particular seminar. Actually, I've been gradually building up this seminars. Previously, generally, I used to give seminars based on philosophical topics. And while giving classes, I noticed one very interesting phenomena that when I spoke philosophy, everyone fell asleep. But when I told stories, then everyone wake up, everyone woke up. That's why I thought that to keep everyone awake, I would rather tell stories. So the first topic was Ramayana. For one year, we just gave seminars on Ramayana. Then, next year, I gave seminar on Mahabharata. Then, I gave seminars on uh, Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. And last year, I gave the seminar on Krishna's pastimes out of Vrindavan. Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes are often discussed, but I noticed that Krishna's pastimes out of Vrindavan, apart from Bhagavad Gita, hardly we discuss about those pastimes, especially which actually meant Krishna's pastimes in Mathura and 
Dwarka. So last year we gave the seminar on Krishna's pastimes out of Vrindavan. So now that we have covered uh, Ramayan, Mahabharat, Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan, Krishna's pastimes out of Vrindavan. So what should be the, what should be the natural topic? Oh, in between actually I did some seminars on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. Yes, Maha, we gave seminars on Mahaprabhu's pastimes also, but not everywhere in some areas like for example in Calcutta and Mayapur specifically I gave Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes and but then I thought that Mahaprabhu's teachings are the very basic foundation, very foundation of our movement and not only that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually summarized the entire Vedic wisdom and he gave the essence of the all the Vedas. That is the unique presentation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu is giving what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving us uh, is the essence of the Vedas. Nana Shastra Vicharenaika Nipuna Sadharma Shangsthapuko Sadharma, the actual Dharma, the ultimate purpose, ultimate responsibility, ultimate duty, ultimate goal of life has been given by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In that respect, Srila Prabhupada once told me, it was of course in context of my question when I asked Srila Prabhupada, why Shankaracharya is seen as one of our Acharyas? Because in one hand we see, we reject Shankaracharya's teachings, Mayavad, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, totally rejected that teachings of Shankaracharya, Mayavad philosophy. And Mahaprabhu even, it has been also mentioned, Mayavadir bhashya shunile hoy sharmanash. If one listens to the commentary of the Mayavadis, then it, everything is destroyed, everything is doomed. But Shankaracharya is Acharya, how is that? So then Prabhupada told me that in order to understand Shankaracharya's teaching, we have to understand why Lord Buddha came, why Krishna came as Lord Buddha, and why Krishna came as Lord Buddha because in, in the age of Kali, in the name of the Vedas, unnecessary animal slaughtering was going on on the pretext of Jagya. Nindasi Jagya Bideraha Shuti Jatam. The Jagyas, 
that have been prescribed in the Vedas, in the name of the Vedas, in the name of those sacrifices, uh, unnecessary animals were being slaughtered. The seeing that unnecessary animal slaughter, uh, seeing that so many animals are being slaughtered, Krishna's tender heart, Krishna's merciful heart became afflicted. Sadaya ridaya darshita poshughatam. Poshughatam. Seeing this animal slaughter, Krishna's merciful heart became afflicted. Therefore, in order to stop this animal sacrifice, Keshavadrita Buddha Sharira. Krishna came as Lord Buddha. And appearing as Lord Buddha, what Buddha he did? He rejected the Vedas. He presented a new process of Dharma. So, and that new uh, Buddha said that the goal of life is to follow these principles of goodness speaking the truth, being honest, not afflicting pain to others, not to kill animals, ahimsa. And he established that and as a result of that, the Vedas were given up. But unless and until one accepts the Vedas, one cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, there was a need to establish, re-establish the Vedas. So Buddha came and fulfilled the purpose. Animal sacrifice now stopped. But now the Vedas have been rejected. And as a result of that, there is no way to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Veda means the process of understanding the Supreme Lord. Vedaishya Sarvair Ahameva Vedya In all the Vedas, I alone am to be known. Krishna is saying that in Bhagavad Gita. Therefore, since they rejected the Vedas, there is no way of understanding the Supreme Lord. Vedna Maniya Bodha Hoilo Nastik. Because the Buddhists did not accept the Vedas, therefore they are atheists. So now there is a need to re-establish the Vedas. So Krishna instructed Lord Shiva to go and re-establish the Vedas. Lord Shiva is saying that to Parvati, Mayavadam Ashachastram Prachanna Bodha Muchyate Mayaivabihitam Devi Kalo Brahmanam Murtina Telling Parvati, Devi. In the age of Kali Kalo, Brahmana Murtina, appearing as a Brahmana, I will establish 
are doctrine, temporary doctrine, asachastram, temporary doctrine, known as mayavad. Why? In order to re-establish the Vedas. The purpose? Buddhists have, Buddhists have rejected the Vedas. They have nothing to do with the Vedas. Now the Vedas have to re-establish. And mind you, at that time, practically whole of India became Buddhist. Whole of India became Buddhist. So much so that Lord Jagannath's temple became a Buddhist temple. They started to claim that Jagannath, Baladev and Subhadra are Buddhist deities. And anyway, so the whole of India at that time became Buddhist. So it was in order to convince them to re-establish the Vedas in their domain. Shankaracharya had to present it in a certain way. Like instead of presenting the pure teachings of the Vedas, Shankaracharya took the Buddhist doctrine to re-establish the Vedas. Because Buddha said the goal of life is to attain Nirvana. And Nirvana means to become nothing. Therefore, Buddhism is called uh, Voidism, Shunnavad. Uh, Buddhism is actually uh, Shunnavad, Shunna. Ultimately, we all will become nothing. That's the goal of life. Shankaracharya took that, uh, that this is the goal of their life. Shankaracharya pointed out, look, this concept of Nirvana is not a Buddhist concept. It's coming from the Vedas. And the Vedic understanding of Nirvana is not to become nothing, but to merge into the Absolute. So in this way, Shankaracharya defeated Buddhism and re-established the Vedas. And in order to do that, he had to take a middle path. And that is the path of impersonalism. Shunnavad to become nothing, to become one with the Absolute who is devoid of any form, any quality, any attribute and so forth. So in this way, Shankaracharya re-established the Vedas. Shankaracharya's theory is originally it is called Vivartavad, theory of illusion. And it is also known as Mayavad, because illusion means Maya. Anyway, since we come to that, let me briefly discuss about that, explain that. What is this Mayavad or Vivartavad? Actually, Vedas have established Purinambad. 
That means the theory of transformation. Brahma is transformed into Jagat, material world. It is the spiritual energy of the Lord, Brahma, Brahman, had become transformed into this material nature. The gradually that has been uh, described uh, that Mahatattva, then uh, with the modes of material nature, three, three gunas, uh, the transformations gradually took place. Uh, transformation. Pradhan, Mahatattva, uh, then uh, the five elements, five senses and so forth. And then uh, with the influence of the modes uh, in uh, gradually the material nature became manifest in, from subtle to gross. So that is the understanding of the Vedas, which is called Puninambad or the theory of transformation. But Shankaracharya came and developed a new theory called Vibartabad, not transformation. Sankaracharya literally said, Bajdev is mistaken. Padinambad is not the real thing. The real thing is Vivartavad. That is theory of illusion. What is the theory of illusion? That it appears to be in a certain way, but actually it is not. Like example, Mirage appears to be like water. But it's not water. Similarly, another example is mother of pearl appears to be like silver, but it's not silver. A rope appears to be like a snake in darkness, semi-darkness, but it is not a snake. So this is the theory of illusion, illusion appears to be in a certain way, but it is actually not that. So similarly, this material nature is illusory. It appears to be, but it is not. So that is the theory of illusion, which is called Bivartavad or Kevaladvaitavad, absolute non-dualism and mayavad. So in this way, <coughs> Shankaracharya re-established the Vedas. Nirvan is a statement of the Vedas and in this way he re-established the Vedas. But then came the Vaishnavacharyas, Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, Nimbarkacharya, Vishnu Swami, and these four Vaishnavacharyas then established personalism over Shankaracharya's impersonalism. And in this respect, Prabhupada gave a very nice analogy that on the field of atheism, 
Shankaracharya dug the foundation. Now when you dig the foundation, the foundation goes in the opposite direction. The building will go this way, but the foundation goes that way. Therefore, it seems that Shankaracharya's presentation is contradictory to the Vedic statements. No, it is because the foundation, on that foundation, Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, Nimbarkacharya and Vishnu Swami built the temple. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu established the deity of Radha Krishna in that temple. This is based on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings, is based on these four Acharyas' teachings. And Shankaracharya's apparent contradiction is the is functioning as a foundation. So this is, uh, in, in short, uh, we have to understand that this is what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to distribute uh, this essence of the Vedas. And then on these teachings, through these teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the identity of Krishna has become revealed. And the most important aspect of this revelation is the identity of Srimati Radharani. Srimati Radharani's identity is the secret. Because unless and until we understand Srimati Radharani's identity and Krishna's relationship with Srimati Radharani, we will not be able to recognize Krishna's actual identity. Or you can look at it the other way around. In order to un understand Krishna's actual identity, we have to understand Krishna's relationship with Srimati Radharani. Who is Srimati Radharani? What is Vrindavan? What is the specialty of Krishna's relationship with the gopis? Jodi Gaura Nahuito, as Vashugosh sang, Jodi Gaura Nahuito, Tobiki Huito, Kamuni Dhuritam Dehe, Radharo Mohima, Premo Rosho Shima, Jogote Janatoke. If Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't come, who would have revealed the identity of Srimati Radharani to this world? And if I did not understand uh, the identity of Srimati Radharani and specialty of Krishna's relationship with Srimati Radharani, how would I have maintained my life? So this is the greatness of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. At the very beginning, I mentioned this aspect to for you all to understand the supremacy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings.
No, not, never, ever this understanding has been revealed before. Krishna's identity has been uh, presented in various ways, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu practically made us realize who Sri Chaitanya, who Sri Krishna actually is. Krishna's Braja Leela is there in Srimad Bhagavatam. But nobody understood that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan with the gopis is the highest spiritual activity. Rather people used to think, oh Radharani's, Krishna's relationship with the gopis is immoral. Many people did not even want to touch that. Like that was they felt. But the thing is Mahaprabhu came and he made us understand that that is the highest spiritual relationship. Yes, in a material platform that kind of relationship is uh, abominable. A relate, to have a relationship with somebody else's wife a relationship with uh, unmarried girls like that is immoral and abominable. But that is in a material platform. Whereas the spiritual platform is diametrically opposed to this material platform. Like if material nature is a, is a reflection of the spiritual sky, then in the reflection, what happens? What, what is the topmost? Where does, the, where does it appear in the reflection? The topmost region appears to be the lowermost in the reflection. So the difference between material and spiritual is when we put ourselves in the center, that is material. When we put Krishna in the center, that is spiritual. Yes, when an ordinary person has an affair, has an affair with somebody else's wife or with unmarried girls, then it is degraded, it is abominable, it is immoral. But when that relationship is there with Krishna, then that is the highest. So that is what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave us and Chaitanya, due to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy we get to know who Srimati Radharani is and the greatness of Krishna's relationship with Srimati Radharani and the cowherd damsels of Vrindavan. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu presented his teachings through his intimate associates. Out of them, foremost is Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, then uh, Ramananda Roy, Sarvabhum Bhattacharya. Different aspects of uh, Mahaprabhu's teachings have been presented through these personalities. And those teachings have been compiled in 
Chaitanya Charitamrita. And Srila Prabhupada presented them in his book, The Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. The Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. What Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to distribute is the highest. And that from whichever perspective we look at it, Mahaprabhu's teaching shines forth as the topmost. So, <clears throat> Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself did not write anything apart from Shikshashtakam. Only eight verses. But those eight verses are giving the perfect understanding of Krishna consciousness. The foundation of Krishna consciousness is the holy name of the Lord. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Hare. One thing I'll tell you, now I notice that whenever we chant Hare Krishna, it has become kind of a mechanical thing. Everybody raises hands and repeats it. It's good you're chanting, but make it a point that it is from here, not from here. It's not just a lip service, tongue service. It should be from the heart. Ridai hoite bale, jubhar agrete chale, shabdo rupe nache Bhaktivinoda Thakur is describing what this Hare Krishna Mahamantra is. It rises from the heart, depth of the heart. And it comes to the tip of the tongue. So make it a point that whenever you chant the holy name, it is happening here. That is what we have to cultivate. Krishna consciousness is not a mechanical thing. Krishna consciousness is a matter of consciousness. Our consciousness has to be transformed from material consciousness to Krishna consciousness. Anyway, it was at the back of my mind, so I just <laughs> told you all. So, <clears throat> whatever you do, it should be done with a proper feeling. Because it's a matter, consciousness means feelings. Consciousness. Being conscious of it. So, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not himself present it in writing. His teachings were just spoken. He spoke to Rupa Goswami when he met him in Prayag. 
Prayag is the land that is at the confluence of three rivers. Ganga, Jamuna and Saraswati. It is present day Allahabad. But originally it was known as, that place was known as Prayag. Due to the Muslim influence, that land became known as Allahabad. Allah means God. Good, good name. The land of God. Allah, the land of Allah. And from Allahabad, it became Allahabad. But the original Vedic name of that place was Prayag. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met Srila Rupa Goswami. Rather, Rupa Goswami met Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Rupa Goswami, let's also get at the background of it shortly. Rupa Goswami was the minister of the Nawab or the king of Bengal at that time. King Hushan Shah, Muslim Nawab. And he was his minister. He was his finance minister. And although they were Brahmanas, very exalted uh, Karnatak Brahmanas, their family actually came from Karnatak and settled in Bengal. So they were exalted uh, Brahmanas, but because they were associating, they have accepted the service, the job of a Muslim Nawab, the Brahmin society at that time rejected them, ostracized them, threw them out of the Brahman community. They are not Brahmin, they are Muslims. So, they actually wrote to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this is our situation, please deliver us from this condition. You are the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You have come, you have descended. So please deliver us. And it is because of Rupa Goswami, because of these two brothers, Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to that part of Bengal, which was known as Gauradesh at that time. Gaur and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, while he was traveling towards Vrindavan from Jagannath Puri, he came to Gauradesh. And the capital of that land was Maldaha. Today's Malda. And <clears throat> Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami were in the government service. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and thousands of people were following him. 
and so when the nawab asked the chief of police who was a hindu <clears throat> that i heard that somebody has come where lots of people are following him so fearing that the muslim king may harm this person uh, when he if he found out that so many people are following him so the chief of police kotwal uh, uh, told him no not many just a few people are following him so hussein shah told him that look <laughs> you don't have to tell a lie to me i know that thousands of people are following him so who is that so this is how uh, chaitanya mahaprabhu appeared there and hussein shah who was otherwise a very ferocious and a very violent kind of a person uh, was he accepted mahaprabhu's uh, situation and <clears throat> Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami did not dare to go to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu during the daytime. They went to meet Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at night. That also in disguise, because he didn't want that uh, Nawab will get to know that they are associating, they are going with to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu meeting him. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, at that time. instructed them uh, to go to vrindavan no chaitanya mahaprabhu at the time didn't instruct uh, they just met chaitanya mahaprabhu when chaitanya mahaprabhu told them uh, the ultimate goal of life is to surrender to krishna and krishna the most merciful lord will take uh, mercy upon you and <clears throat> but after meeting chaitanya mahaprabhu Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami became totally uh, detached. They lost interest for all their materialistic activities. We can well imagine, like such an exalted position, the minister, the two principal ministers of the king, chief minister and finance minister. but they lost all their interest rupa goswami was the first one to leave he uh, resigned from his government service and uh, he took all his wealth in a boat and went to their original home on the bank of the ganges and rupa goswami can well imagine how much money he was in those days there was no paper currency that you can practically put one few crores of rupees in a in a bag in a suitcase and those days the currency was gold coins and he was carrying those gold coins in a boat the boat full of gold coin and then he divided half of that 
and distributed it among the Brahmanas and Vaishnavas for promoting Krishna consciousness. And from the Adenda, he divided the other half uh, into two and gave one portion to his family members and he kept uh, the other quarter for some emergency. And you could see that how that money came into uh, benefit, into utility. Because Sanatan Gos, later on we'll discuss, Sanatan Goswami was arrested by the king when he wanted to resign. The king didn't want to let him go. And when Sanatan Goswami was completely adamant in resigning, then the king arrested him and put him in prison. Sanatan Goswami took a part of that money to bribe the jailkeeper and escape. So Rupa Goswami left home and he was traveling towards Vrindavan. And when he came to Prayag, he was traveling with his other brother, Anupam. Anupam was the father of Srila Jiva Goswami, another very, very exalted follower of Sri Chaitanya, associate of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <clears throat> so, when Srila Rupa Goswami got to know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in Allahabad and he saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going to the Bindu Madhav temple and he was dancing in ecstasy, chanting the holy name. And many, many people were just following him. So, Rupa Goswami and Anupam offered obeisances from a distance. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw, recognized him and he embraced them. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to teach Rupa Goswami. But other places wherever he went was very, very crowded. So he went to a remote place, Dashashamedghat, on the bank of the Ganges. And there he, for 10 days, he instructed Srila Rupa Goswami. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Rupa Goswami that Krishna has been very merciful that you have delivered you. So from that statement we can understand that when one takes to Krishna consciousness, when one accepts the process of devotional service, it has to be seen that it was Krishna's mercy. Krishna is enabling him to become delivered. 
there is vishaya materialistic way of life one side is the materialistic way of life and the other side is devotional service krishna bhakti materialistic life ties us down to this material nature and krishna consciousness delivers us from our material bondage material bondage material attachments are cause of suffering the more we become involved in the material nature the more becomes our suffering so krishna consciousness is the process to deliver us free us from this material bondage so that is the thing that we must understand devotional service delivers one from material bondage we can't maintain both the things together it don't work like an example in that respect is two examples in that respect we can give if you have your two feet in two different boats can you progress have you ever tried to put two boats two feet in two boats that's one example another example is another example is the wedding party borjatri in bengali uh, when in india that is the custom the wedding takes place in the girl's house and the bridegroom goes there surrounded along with his along with his associates the bridegroom's party so they go there and uh, they are received very nicely and then the wedding takes place the so one such bridegroom's party was to go to a wedding uh, and with the wedding of the bridegroom they set out at night in bengal they travel by boat many rivers are there so this took their uh, dinner and went to the boat to the idea was throughout the night they would uh, uh, sail through the river and come to the bride's house the next morning so they at night they got into the boat they fell asleep but when they woke up in the morning they found that the boat didn't move at all <laughs> wherever they were where they boarded they got into the boat the boat is still at that place so they got really upset with the boatman and started to chastise him that you you've been sleeping instead of rowing the boat the boatman said no 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 the whole night i was rowing the boat then they found out 
Then the boatman forgot to pull the anchor. So when the anchor is there and if you keep on rowing, will you progress? So what is the anchor here? The anchor here is the material attachment. The anchor here is material attachment. So if you maintain your material attachment and keep on rowing the boat of Krishna consciousness, you won't progress. Now the question arises here, well then we all, many of us are householders, what about us? Maharaj, you are a sannasi, <laughs> you are on a safe boat that has lifted the anchor, but what about us? <laughs> we have our anchor. Yes, the thing is that, yes, you don't have to change your situation. Even in household life, you can progress in Krishna consciousness. And the secret is that you have to see everything in the light of Krishna consciousness. There is two possibilities in developing relationships. One is through this body, in this material nature, how do we develop our relationships? Through the body. Body's father, body's mother, deep relationship. Body's brothers, body's sister, body's husband, body's wife, body's children, body's friends, body's nation. So that is what is happening in this material nature. Dehatma buddhi, body. But instead of developing our relationship through the body, we have to develop our relationship through Krishna. Yes, father. But should I see him as my body's father or should I see him as Krishna's part and parcel? Krishna's devotee, mother, Krishna's devotee, brothers, Krishna's devotee, sisters, Krishna's devotee, children, Krishna's children. So this is how we have to develop our Krishna consciousness even in household situations. So this is one thing I'm requesting you see, my business is to enlighten you. My business is not to entertain you. My business is to enlighten you as your teacher. And that's why I have to speak, say things in this way. Like, and for your benefit, you consider, you consider yourself. What is happening? Is it happening through the body or is it happening through Krishna? Those who are parents, make it a point to make your children into devotees of Krishna. Offer them to Krishna. Groom them up, train them up in such a way that when they grow up, they will become 
devotees of Krishna, they will automatically surrender themselves to Krishna. And it's so nice to see when we see that our children born in devotee families are becoming devotees, committing themselves to Krishna consciousness. But at the same time, when we see that that is not happening, then we find it to be painful. The father and mother have become devotees, but they don't want to do anything about the children. Oh, no, no, we can't. We have to give them the freedom. Okay, when they grow up, you have to give them the freedom. But when they are young, mold them according to Krishna consciousness. And I admire when I see some of you are doing it so nicely, bringing up your children to become devotees in such a nice way. Train them when they're young. Give them a very wonderful dose of Krishna consciousness. So that when they grow up, huh, they will commit themselves. When they will decide for themselves, At the same time, I also tell them, the parents of when the children, when the children grow up, tell them that don't force them now to become devotees. No, don't force them to <clears throat> take to Krishna consciousness. Leave it up to them. Advise them, but leave it up to them to decide for themselves. So that is how Huh? We have to perform, we have to execute our responsibility towards those who are around us. Jare dakho, tare kaho, Krishna upadesh. Whoever you see, just instruct him about Krishna. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in his first meeting with Rupa Goswami, he just told him, Krishna has been very merciful to you. He has delivered you from the deep, dark well of materialistic life. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu pointed out that there are so many living entities in this material nature. So many. Innumerable. We cannot possibly count. It is not that only the human beings have, only human beings are living entities. Or only the human beings have spirit souls, or are spirit souls. Or the animals are spirit souls, birds are spirit souls. No, wherever there is life, there is spirit soul. Trees and plants are also living entities. So there are innumerable living entities. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu pointed out that they fall in two categories. Moving and non-moving. Moving and non-moving. Some living entities move. Like human beings, animals, birds, reptiles. They all are moving. Jangam, 
moving. And some living entities are stubborn, non-moving, trees and plants and so forth. They are also living entities. So first these categories of moving and non-moving. And among the moving living entities, there are animals, there are birds, there are reptiles, there are worms, there are insects and so forth. But out of them very few are living, very few are human beings. Very few are human beings. As you know, there are 8,400,000 species of life. Out of them, 8 million are different types. Trees and plants, aquatics, birds and so forth. And they are also categorized in three categories. Those who fly in the sky, those who stay on the land and those who dwell in water. And out of them, only 400,000 are human beings. Now when one gets the human form of life, he gets a very special prerogative that is not available otherwise. What is that prerogative? The human beings are endowed with a very, very advanced intelligence, very developed intelligence <clears throat> that no other living entities have. No other living entities have that prerogative. Developed intelligence and not only developed intelligence, but the ability to expand his intelligence. Human beings can expand his intelligence. And the best way for developing that expanding their intelligence is by becoming involved in spiritual life. Why? Because the consciousness, intelligence, and other uh, mental faculties are coming from the soul. So actually it is a matter of soul's enlightenment, soul's emancipation, soul's freedom from bondage of matter or covering of ignorance. The living entities in the material nature are the spirit souls. <coughs> Spirit souls are Satchidananda. Spirit souls are not only immortal or eternal, spirit souls are conscious. Conscious. But in this material nature, that consciousness becomes covered. Covered by what? Covered by ignorance. So when one uh, gets a human form, 
then that covering is considerably removed. That means the human being has the ability to function in its uh, advanced consciousness or uh, advanced spiritual awakening. And when if the lower we go, more and more covered their consciousness is. <clears throat> like we see the animals, uh, their consciousness is covered, but uh, even more covered are some other entities, uh, like say birds and reptiles. And then finally we come to the trees and plants, their consciousness is practically covered, fully covered. covered consciousness. So, this also has been very beautifully explained. The consciousness, if we look at it, we should make an approach from that angle, that some living entities, consciousness is covered. They fall in the category of covered consciousness. Like trees and plants. Does it look like trees have consciousness? Apparently, no. Only when you very carefully notice that oh, the trees are also conscious. Then, when you come to the insects, reptiles, birds, animals, it's, it's obvious, we can see that they are conscious. But their consciousness is in a shrunken state. And so that is the second stage of consciousness. First stage, the lowest is the covered consciousness. Then shrunken consciousness. From insects and worms up to the trees and plants, they fall in the category of this shrunken consciousness. Then comes the human beings. Their consciousness has been considered to be bad state of consciousness. Bad. A bad apparently is in a shrunken state. But the bad has the ability to bloom. So, human beings fall in the bad state of consciousness. Their consciousness is apparently shrunken, but they have the ability to bloom. Then, uh, from the shrunken consciousness, they, their consciousness begins to expand. Now, for a flower, uh, since it has been compared to a bud, for a bud of a flower to bloom, it needs two factors. Exposure to the sun and support or shelter of the water, especially lotus buds. When a lotus is exposed to the sun in water, the lotus begins to bloom. So human beings, although their consciousness is in a shrunken state, 
but has the ability to bloom provided that human being is exposed to the sun who is krishna under the shelter of a bona fide spiritual master who is compared to water when a human being becomes exposed to krishna under the shelter under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master his consciousness begins to bloom that's the fourth stage of consciousness and then finally fully bloom state of consciousness that's the when one becomes perfectly aware of krishna fully krishna conscious then that is the state of fully bloom state of consciousness pure consciousness pure krishna consciousness so <clears throat> so while speaking to sanata to rupagoswami shri chaitanya mahaprabhu na no, pointed out that out of although the number of human beings are very few but the human beings have the ability to decide for himself what he wants to do and out of them very few aspire for spiritual advancement very few aspire for there are many other people manushyanam shahasreshu Uh, thousands upon thousands of manushyas human beings but out of them rarely one aspire for spiritual advancement and those who aspire for spiritual advancement rarely one achieves perfection kushchit yatati siddhaye rarely one achieves siddhi or perfection and jatatam api siddhanam kashchin maam vetti tattvata krishna is telling bhagavad gita out of those who have achieved perfection rarely one gets to know me as i am maam vetti tattvata so rupagoswami shri chaitanya mahaprabhu informed shri chaitanya shila rupagoswami and chaitanya mahaprabhu at the beginning also mentioned to rupagoswami rupagoswami rupa this <coughs> science of devotional service is vast as an ocean the science of devotional service is just like a great ocean and it is not possible to show you all its length and breadth i am simply giving you just one drop of it i shall try to explain the nature of that ocean by taking just one drop out of it so what shri chaitanya mahaprabhu instructed rupa goswami uh, according to his own statement whatever he instructed him to a qualified candidate like rupa goswami for 10 days 
is only a drop of that great ocean of devotional service. So that uh, from that drop we can get a taste of that uh, nectar and understand what that ocean of devotional service actually is. So among these living entities in the material nature, most of them are fruitive, karmi. Fruitive means they act and they want to enjoy the fruit of their actions. That's why Prabhupada translated that in a very apt way, fruitive workers, fruitive. They are gardening, they are producing the fruits, but the objective is to eat the fruit or enjoy the fruit themselves. But they want to enjoy. Vedas are saying, Vedas are not saying, don't try to enjoy. Vedas are not saying, oh, leave home and go away. This material nature is a place of suffering. Although Vedas are giving that understanding, but Vedas are also saying, okay, if you want to enjoy, try to enjoy. But this is the way to enjoy. So they give the different ways and means to enjoy, how to enjoy. But after trying to enjoy in so many ways, ultimately what one realizes? If one is intelligent, he realizes that there is no enjoyment. I am trying to enjoy, but I am suffering. How many of you realize that? <laughs> that, <laughs> that Endeavor for enjoyment in this material nature is leading to suffering. Let me see the hands again. Okay, that looks better. So, anyway, that's a good, good point. Then when one realizes that this material nature is a place of suffering, then what would one naturally want to do? One want to try to get out of that suffering condition. If you are suffering, do you want to remain in that situation? Say, if there is, if the house is burning, do you want to remain in that house that is burning? How many of you would like to stay in the house that is burning? If you are so attached to the house, then I wish you all the best. So, so this. One wants to get out of this suffering condition. And that platform is called Jnana, Jnana Khanda. But then one realizes the actual way to become free from that suffering condition is by becoming a devotee of Krishna. Okay, this point can be explained in this way. How many of you know how to swim? Okay, how many of you do not know how to swim? 
Okay, now you consider that you have fallen in a river. What will you do? What will happen at that time? Like even if you know how to swim, if you have fallen in an ocean, can you cross the ocean swimming? Huh? No, this ocean is so vast that there is no way we can actually cross that ocean by dint of our own endeavor, no matter how great a swimmer we may be. But then if there is a boat, you are drowning and if you find a boat and you get onto the boat, will it be difficult to go across the ocean? Okay, so now you consider when you are trying to get out of this material nature, if you try to do that by dint of your own effort, will you succeed? But if there is a boat and you get onto the boat, do you have to worry anymore? So that boat is Krishna consciousness. And the price that we pay to get into the boat is by just surrendering ourselves unto Krishna. Therefore Krishna gave that instruction, just surrender unto me. So if we just surrender unto Krishna, then immediately we find, find ourselves in that boat. And then we don't have to worry about it anymore. Krishna will take care. <clears throat> so in this way, the actual liberation is from Becoming surrendered to Krishna, becoming a devotee of Krishna. And mind you, to become Krishna consciousness, to become Krishna conscious means to develop your attachment to Krishna. And that attachment will develop due to your love for Krishna. And due to that love for Krishna, you will experience a joy that all this so-called enjoyment in the material nature will appear to be totally disgusting. So that is what happens in pure Krishna consciousness. Surrender to Krishna, through that surrender, you will experience the joy being in love with Krishna and that joy is what is going to detach you from your material attachments and lead you back to the spiritual sky. Thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. <clears throat> if you have some questions, you can ask. Do we have a... Oh, okay. We have written questions. Yeah, that's better to have to give the questions in writing. <clears throat> this question is coming from 
Boshu Shrestha Das, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. In Bhagavad Gita chapter 2, Krishna says that that flowery language of the Vedas is misleading and that one must get above three modes which are the subject of the Vedas. Okay. Yeah, so Vedas, Karmakanda section of the Vedas are the flowery words. Like, you can become a king, you perform this sacrifice. You can have a lot of money, you act in this way. You can get a very beautiful wife, you worship such and such uh, demigods and so forth. So these are the flowery words. That words, that statement of the Vedas that are leading to enjoyments in the material nature. But Krishna is saying, that we must not be bewildered or allured by those flowery words. That's one stage of the Vedas. Instructions to certain kind of individuals, those who are in a less advanced stage. But this is like you get books for primary school children. But then when you, do you always remain in that primary stage or you uh, transcend that stage and gradually come to the university? So that is what is uh, pointing out that the Vedas, the purpose of Vedas is to not bewild get bewildered by this flowery word. These are meant for the children. These are meant for the people, those who are not advanced. And then, Vedaishtya Sarvai Rahameva Vedya. The real purpose of the Vedas is to know Krishna, get to know Krishna, understand Krishna, and develop one's relationship with Krishna. <coughs> Next question is Bibhu Chaitanya Das. Having two legs in difficult boats. Is it good to read the Shruti Falls of the Bhagavatam stories to get enthusiasm to read the full canto of Prabhupada Bhagavatam? Yeah, Shruti Falls are there. They're there. Again, they're the flowery words. That purpose, we have to recognize the purpose of the scriptures is not to in, get some benefit here enjoy here. The purpose of the scriptures is to become free from the material bondage and go into the spiritual sky. So next is Nanda Vrajadas. If one has started his Krishna consciousness life, late and had no, 
no scope to train his offsprings in Krishna consciousness, how he does influence his grown-up ones into Krishna consciousness. Try to advise as much as possible and pray to Krishna that he bestows his mercy upon them. That's true, like, you know, when children are grown up, it's difficult. But, you know, you can wait. Like, at least remind them about Krishna and remind them that when you are in difficulty, at least, you remember Krishna. That may bring them to the platform of Krishna consciousness. So next question is in Hindi. Parameshwari Radhika Devidasi. Gurudev, Jaisi, Aapne kaha ki bachche ko sangskar de sakte hain parantu phir bhi unke galat raaste par jane ka dar hota hain is situation mein क्या करना चाहिए? हाँ, मैं अंग्रेजी में बोलूँ या हिंदी? Okay, the question is, you have said that that the children should be educated and situated in Krishna consciousness, but but at the same time we we become afraid, we fear that they may go off onto a wrong path. In such a situation, what should one do? Very good question. I think every parents of grown-up children feel that way. Okay, that's enough questions. No more questions today. So, you see, everyone comes with his own, own destiny. But we try to change that course of destiny and bring them to Krishna consciousness. Because that is the ultimate destination. On our part, we try and the situation in this world is very dangerous. As you were saying, dar lagta hai about the children. It's true, like they are at home maybe for 12 hours and out of those 12 hours, 8 hours to 10 hours goes to sleep. So they are actually having the association of the parents only for about 2 hours. But the outside influence is there for the remaining 12 hours. And the outside influence is very, very difficult, very dangerous. So, on, our, on your part as parents, you try to guide them nicely. Make them understand what is the difficulty in that situation. Like, to recognize the dangerous situation of this world, we don't have to go very far. 
Every morning we can just open the newspaper and we can see what's the situation of this world. So at least we can remind them, look, that is the consequence. So be very careful. So we can remind them about the dangerous situation and we can advise them not to fall victims of the dangerous situation. Rama Mohan Das, what steps should be taken to chant always from heart? What steps should be taken to always chant from the heart? Okay, a good step that you can take is become aware that Krishna is in your heart. And Krishna is listening when you are chanting. And when Krishna listens, Krishna becomes very happy. When Krishna sees that you are chanting the holy name, being situated in your heart, he hears and he feels very happy. So this is the how, try to chant from the heart. Kishori Devi Dasi, आपने कहा है कि कच्ची उम्र में कच्ची उम्र में किशोरी ओके कच्ची उम्र में तो बच्चों को भक्ति देना और बड़े को जबरदस्ती नहीं करना भक्ति के लिए अगर हम बड़े बच्चों को जबरदस्ती नहीं करेंगे तो वो भक्ति नहीं कर पाएगी तो हम क्या हमें क्या करना चाहिए बड़े का मतलब ये सवाल होता है कितने बड़े तो ओके द क्वेश्चन इज that when the children are young then we can uh, give them uh, uh, devotion and instruct them about devotion but you say that when they grow up then don't force them then uh, uh, but her question is that if we when they grow up and if we don't force them then they won't practice Krishna consciousness. So, what to do? The point is that give them Krishna consciousness, make them understand, not force to do them, force them to do things that they'll become bored or they'll say, Oh, why they are harassing me like that? And then they, they will think, uh, well, uh, what will be a now that I have grown up, what a relief, they can't force me anymore. Don't get into that kind of situation. Like rather make them feel how joyful Krishna consciousness is. Uh, so remind them, that is how you guide them. But when they become, बहुत बड़े हो जाते हैं 
तब जब नौकरी करता है शादी की कर चुका है तब ज़्यादा कुछ नहीं कहना अगर उस समय अगर नहीं मानेंगे तो बिगड़ जाएंगे तो डोंट स्पॉयल द रिलेशनशिप ओके एंड डू एवरीथिंग विथ लव प्यार से सिखाना वो प्यार से ही सब काम होता है नाउ द नेक्स्ट वन इज फ्रॉम चित्त हरे कृष्ण दास हरे कृष्ण गुरु महाराज धन्यवाद प्रणाम थैंक यू वेरी मच माई क्वेश्चन इज यू टोल्ड दैट कृष्ण कॉन्शियसनेस मीन्स टू डेवलप आवर अटैचमेंट फॉर कृष्णा बट आई फाइंड दैट मेटीरियल अटैचमेंट्स आर सो डीप रूटेड दैट दे अगेन एंड अगेन ट्रबल मी इवन वाइल बींग इन द एसोसिएशन ऑफ डिवोटिव सो हाउ वन कैन गेट रीड ऑफ such material attachments yes nice very nice question chitrahari <clears throat> yeah our situation in the material nature is very dangerous because this is what we are seeing this is where we are we are seeing we are hearing we are touching we are tasting huh? so this is so real is very difficult to overcome the influence that's why we have to we have to learn to uh, focus our uh, mind in always remembering krishna you see like yes eyes are seeing something beautiful and immediately the eye mind wants i want it and that is the natural tendency uh, seeing hearing touching tasting hmm, draws our senses but if we remember krishna say for example if we uh, read krishna book and then we see how wonderful krishna krishna's pastimes are how wonderful the spiritual world is and that's why krishna is reminding man mana bhava with your mind you always think of me so that is the secret of becoming free from material bondage if that is not there if krishna consciousness is not there it will not be possible to overcome this allurements of material nature and that's why param drishta nivartante by getting the higher taste we can become free from the lower taste and on top of everything krishna bada dayamoy koribare jiva jay shaprasad annadino bhai the taste of krishna prasad is so delicious that after getting the taste you don't feel like eating anything else so at least that is real with our eyes we may not see krishna with our hands we may not be able to touch krishna 
but we did without tongue we can taste krishna prasad so that is how we can conquer our other senses <coughs> This is from Narahari Das, uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. I had experience of uh, fainting recently. Is that fainting? Uh, recently, and although I could hear, I could not chant with my lips. I had great difficulty chanting with my mind. At the time of death, it may be even more difficult. How one can go beyond the mind and senses and automatically attain Krishna at that time? Okay, I will say that at least you have some experience now. When you just fainted, you could not remember Krishna, chant Krishna. Right? So how difficult it will be. But the good thing is that at least you are saying that you could hear. So hearing is, even if you can't chant, but if you can hear, uh, that is also non-different from Krishna. Uh, so that is why we make it a point to chant the holy name when someone is dying. But because he may not be able to chant, but he can hear. And <clears throat> and it will be, it will happen due to the attachment to the Holy Name. More attached we are, like as we said, like Prabhupada did that. He chanted. And I was telling Harinarayan Prabhu, also, while leaving his body, he could chant, he was chanting. And so these are some, uh, so we have to see, we have to understand that these devotees have developed their faith so much that uh, even at that time they could remember. Vinita Ramchandani. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Maharaj, you had mentioned in the afternoon that life is a preparation and death is exam, which is very simple, just to remember Krishna. But then why very rarely someone achieve perfection, which you mentioned now? So that perfection is different type of perfection. That perfection is before devotional service. That perfection is not perfection of devotional service. That perfection that is rare is achieving that perfection of becoming situated or becoming aware of one's spiritual identity. But uh, coming to Krishna consciousness is the ultimate perfection. 
So now that you have come to Krishna consciousness, you have achieved that perfection. So you are very fortunate. You can consider so many people are there. How many are becoming Krishna conscious? If you consider the good fortune that you have, how many people have that good fortune? This God, good fortune of, become, of being situated in devotional service is beyond the platform of liberation. So you can well imagine how, and how exalted that perfection is. And that perfection is easy to achieve. Okay, let us consider <clears throat> Have you ever fought with a heavyweight boxing champion? Can you imagine? Like if you're, or you can say boxing. I'm not talking about you. You don't have to do that. So, say somebody came to beat you up. He is very strong. Now, if you fight with him, what will happen? Won't it be very difficult to fight with a person who is much stronger than you? But if you just say, surrender, I, I don't want to fight, you are my friend, I surrender unto you, then will there be any struggle? Now, it is so difficult to overpower or defeat even a heavyweight boxing champion. So what to speak of Krishna, uh, who is uh, the omnipotent, all-powerful? How can you fight against him? It's impossible to fight against him. So if you realize that he's so powerful, why should I fight? Hare Krishna, I surrender. Is it difficult? Huh? So that is how Krishna consciousness is. I give up, I surrender. Huh? I am your servant. Huh? I am depending upon your mercy. And Krishna says, okay, come, I will take care of you. What a wonderful life it is. And that is what devotional service is. Thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Gold Premanande Hari.